Have you ever been told you need to get on the street and narrow way? If you grew up in the South like me, I'm sure you've probably heard a preacher or two tell you, you better get on that straight and narrow or you're going to wind up in hell. <laughs> Sound familiar? What is the straight and narrow that they're referring to? And how does it have anything to do with love or the evil eye? Today is Wednesday, August the 15th, 2018, and this is Emerging Daily. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. So what is the evil eye and how do you get it? Is it like some kind of disease or something? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it in cartoons or different things where people talk about having given somebody the evil eye. What is all that all about? You know, and, and you've probably heard of or seen uh, caricatures where somebody raises a patch off their eye and it's some grisly looking thing. And then they look at you and a laser beam shuts out, shoots out from it and it sort of does something to you it makes you go crazy or or it's like the the snakes on the head of medusa and it just turns you into stone or something what is the evil eye uh let me tell you we're getting into this in a minute but let me uh clarify something yesterday when i was referring to the love chapter of first corinthians i misspoke and said chapter three i know it's chapter 13 i just got ahead of myself and and three came out instead of 13 so yeah so now that we've gotten that taken care of today's episode is coming out a little bit late and i apologize for that uh, normally, I either try to do it the night before or early in the morning, but today, uh, there's been a lot going on. You know, I said yesterday that I try to get as much in the day as I can, and so today, my mom had to have a procedure done, and then in a, in a few minutes, I've got to uh, have uh, voice therapy, so there's been a lot going on, and I apologize for getting this episode out so late. Now that we've gotten those technicalities out of the way, um, you know, we've been talking about love. We're talking about how to put love into action. That's really what this week is about, and, and possibly the whole podcast. You could almost say that it's about putting love into action, emerging on a love walk, emerging in a path of spiritual growth, and putting love into action. How do you put love into action? You know, we talked yesterday about what is love. And how, and about loving your neighbor as yourself and how, how hard that is, how, how almost impossible that is. You know, we, we, you, you look through the, the Torah and see all these Levitic, all these laws, especially the book of Leviticus, all these laws and, and things. And you think how impossible that is to follow all those things. You know, then Jesus comes and says, well, love is the fulfillment of the law. And Paul follows him and says the same thing and, and John as well. How is that? Because it's harder to walk by love than it is, and it's harder to walk by grace than it is by a whole bunch of rules and regulations. And uh, if you hear a noise in the background, that we're at uh, Cafe Coco. This was the most convenient place for me to record this, and I didn't have access to a studio uh, today because it was just a spur-of-the-moment type thing. So anyway, um, getting back to what we were talking about, you know, it's harder to walk by love. It's harder to walk by grace. It's not easy. 
because it puts the onus on you, not on those rules, not on those regulations. It's no longer just black or white. It's about following love, following that instinct, the spirit within that directs you on what to do and how to do and when to do. So you don't have this list of, of things to follow, but you follow love. You know, we've all heard the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And Jesus brings that out right before he talks about this supposed straight and narrow way that uh, southern preachers really get a kick out of talking about. So let's look at that. This is in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. You know, I don't know if you've got a Bible, but if you do, I'm reading from the King James right this second, but in a minute we'll, we'll look at a couple other versions, and then I'll give you my own. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, this is all part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has just gotten through talking about asking you shall receive. You know, asking it will be given up in verse 7, referring to asking our Father, asking Spirit. And then he says in verse 12, well, in verse 11, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, in verse 12, he picks up and gives us this golden rule. Therefore, all things, whatever you would that men should do to you, do you also unto them. Do you even unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. So he's saying, given this golden rule, right after talking about the Father giving us things, because... He's saying, emulate the Father. That is our example. He wasn't even referring to himself here. He's referring to the Father. Emulate him. Imitate the Father. Imitate the Spirit. And so he says, do unto others. Or, you know, that's a different or different rendering. Here in, in, in uh, this version, he says, whatever you would that men do to you, do you even unto them. You know, that's not easy to do. Not always easy to do because... We're always more concerned about ourselves than we are somebody else. You know, we talked about that yesterday. But then, right after that, right after that, he says, enter in at the straight gate. Again, I'm reading from the King James. But he says, enter the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Then in verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. So he goes from talking about basically love, because that's doing unto others, as you would have them do to you, and then says, enter in at the straight gate. And the word straight is not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, as in no curves. This word straight actually means narrow. It means narrow. So he's saying, enter in at the narrow gate. So then that brings a little bit of confusion when you get to verse 14, because that would be him saying the same thing twice. He would be saying, well, enter in at the narrow gate, because narrow is the way. That's sort of redundant. We'll see, that's not what he's saying. It's a mistranslation. Let me read you from the Holman Christian Standard Version. Verse 14, the Holman Christian Standard Bible says this, How narrow is the gate, and difficult the road that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Now see, that gives you a whole different understanding. The gate is narrow, the road is difficult, that leads to life. That's encouraging, ain't it? <laughs> that's really encouraging. It's a difficult path. Why is it difficult? Because it's so much easier to just be so wrapped up in yourself and not care about anything or anybody else. That's a whole lot easier to do than to walk in love and do to others as you would have them do to you. It's so much, so much easier to just be wrapped up in yourself and do your own thing and don't care about how it affects or concerns anyone else. You know, that's easy. Anybody could do that. But to allow the spirit within, God within you, which is love, and it's in all of us, you know, 
I don't care what religion you are. I don't care where you come from, what your background is, who your parents are, what your race is, whatever. I don't care. There's a deposit. God is in you. Spirit is in you. You wouldn't be in existence if it were any other way. And so spirit, God is love. So that love is there. But to follow after that and to allow that to be your standard, allow that to be uh, your map and your path, it's so much more difficult. It's so much more difficult. The ones they got to do with the evil eye. We'll get to the evil eye. Don't worry. I promise you we're going to talk about the evil eye. But I want to read you another version, my version of Matthew 7:14. But it's from the original Greek, and it's from using the words as they would be used at that time. So here is my version. How narrow and obstructed with many obstacles is the gate, and how hard-pressed and difficult and hemmed in like a mountain gorge or ravine, is the journey which seems to be leading away to death, but is actually bringing you into the life of God. Now, that sounds like a whole lot more words. It sounds longer, but it's actually taking each word and, and, and putting it in the proper working order, using morphological codes and, and Greek understanding of how those words were used at the time. So let's look at this. Let's, let's look at that. A little. Let me read it again. How narrow and obstructed with many obstacles is the gate. How hard-pressed, difficult, and hemmed in like a mountain gorge or, or ravine is the journey which seems to be leading away to death, but is actually bringing you into the life of God. So it seems to be leading to death. See, Jesus talks about over and over, taking up your own cross and following me. That's another thing that is so easy is, is to point to his cross and say, oh, he's done it all. He's done it all. I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to do anything. You know, the world can go to hell because I'm going to get raptured out of here. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, Jesus said to take your cross. Don't take his cross. Take up yours. And so following after life is not an easy thing to do. Following after love is difficult. It's difficult to put others before ourselves. It's difficult to consider other people's feelings and emotions and concerns before our own. It's very difficult. It's like going up a mountain or going through a mountain gorge or a ravine. It seems like it's killing us, and it is killing us. That's the whole point of it. You know, I said yesterday that, or it may have been Monday, that part of the purpose of life is to take this desire to receive and to allow it to be transformed from the desire to receive for the self alone and transform it into the desire to receive for others, to desire to receive in order to give. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. To allow that desire to be transformed from the desire to receive from me alone or from my family alone or my group alone or my nation alone and transform it, allow it to be transformed into the desire to receive for the sake of bestowing, for the sake of sharing, for the sake of giving. All of this is hard. It's not easy. Jesus gave us an example of it in his life, and it's not an easy thing to do. And ultimately, it does kill us. Not always physically, like with him, he gave us an outward example of what takes place inwardly or should be taking place inwardly within us. But each one of us is to be dying daily in order to give life to others, just as he did. You know, he was our example. He wasn't a substitution, as, as everybody seems to teach. It was an example. Each one of us is a living sacrifice. Each one of us is as a, a lamb led before the slaughter, as Paul says in Romans 8. We are each that lamb. We are each that sacrifice, laying down our own lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are each that lamb. And that's it. That's part of the reason the world's in the shape it's in. That's why we're dealing with the repercussions in the environment. You see these things with the environment. It's because basically 
the church has dropped the ball and they said, well, let the world go to hell because we're going to get raptured. And, and so they just took their hands off and said, well, I don't care. You know, yeah, we're, we're using gasoline and, and fossil other, you know, fossil fuels destroying the world and the environment. It doesn't matter. It's going to be all destroyed anyway. Just let it, just let it go to hell because Jesus is coming back and he's going to take us all out of here. And that's the attitude that they've had. And instead of following after this hard way that Jesus talks about, being concerned about others and how what we do, how it affects other people. And not just those that we can see, but all over the world and in future generations. It's a hard way. It's a hard way. And then he talks, goes on and talks about false prophets. And see, those are the false prophets that go around and saying, well, you don't have to worry about or be concerned about your actions, how it affects other people or, or future generations, because you're going to be the last generation. You know, my generation was called Generation X because they just thought, well, there might be just to be two more, you know, and then that's going to be it. And you see where we are now. You know, those are false prophets, a false teaching. A, a teaching is a prophet, not just a man, but the teaching itself that says, take me away <laughs> because it's hard. I'm going to read you something um, from Thick Not Han. I read it. I read from this book on Monday. The book is Going Home, Jesus and Buddha as Brothers. And he talks about suffering. You know, I just alluded and talked about the, the hard way. He says this, It is because we are struggling to free ourselves from the grip of suffering and affliction that we learn how to love and how to take care of ourselves and of others, not to inflict on ourselves more suffering and not to inflict on others more suffering and misunderstanding. Love is a practice, and unless you know what suffering is, you are not motivated to practice compassion, love, and understanding. I would not be willing, listen to this, I would not be willing to go to a place where there is no suffering, because I know that living in such a place, I would not experience love. He says, because I suffer, I need love. Because you suffer, you need love. Because we suffer, we know that we have to offer each other love, and love becomes a practice. He goes on to say, let us not be naive and abandon this world of suffering and hope for a place, whether we call it nirvana or the kingdom of God or the pure land. You know that the element with which you can create love is our own suffering and the suffering we experience every day around us. So he's saying, basically, love is born out of suffering. Just take a woman when she's given birth. There's suffering involved. It's a dying that takes place. And that's what he's saying. Love is born of suffering. Jesus said it as taking up your cross. It's a suffering. It's a love involves suffering. It involves sacrifice. It involves giving up something for somebody else. You know, if you're giving something to somebody, you're basically giving something up. You're giving up your time. You're giving up your money. You're giving up this or that. We don't like that. It's a way. It's a hard way. It's a hard way. Let's look at the evil eye now. I know you've probably been wondering what what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 6, now this is all still part of the same discourse here. Jesus talks about um, laying not up for yourselves treasures upon earth in verse 19 of chapter 6. Verse 20 talks about laying up treasures in heaven. Well, where is heaven? He says that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So these treasures were laying up within us. Not off in yonder somewhere. Not off in glory land. Uh, we're not adding planks to our mansion. This is talking about spiritual things, inward things your spiritual walk. And then in verse 23, well, in verse 22, well, let me just read 21. I just keep backing up, don't I? He says in 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your passion. What are you passionate about? What is your most important thing? Then 22, he says, the light of the body is the eye. 
If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Then in 23 he says, But if, if your eye is evil, your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he goes on and talking about you can't serve God and mammon. So in this whole thing, he's talking, he's talking about our walk, our life, not off in heaven, here, in the here and now. This is what he's talking about. So the light of the body is the eye. Verse 22, if your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is evil, your body is full of darkness. So he's talking about a single eye and he's talking about an evil eye. Now, a lot of people think Jesus just came up with all this stuff. You know, he came up with these teachings. Now, when Jesus was here, he was teaching the Torah. He was teaching from the Torah. He was teaching from the Psalms. He was teaching from the prophets and, and really fleshing all that out, making it real, walking in it and trying to teach others how to walk in it, explaining the symbolism of it because it was all symbolism and relating to your inner life, your spiritual life, and your relationship with spirit and with each other. So where did he come up with this single eye and evil eye? Well, the evil eye is from Deuteronomy. He got it from Deuteronomy. Now let me read you where he's coming from. In Deuteronomy chapter 15. Now the first part of the chapter is talking about the year of release. That's when creditors release their people every seven years. This is where we get the idea for bankruptcy. Every seven years, your creditors released you. They released you. You didn't have to pay back what you owed. Then in verse 7, he says, If there be any among you, if there be among you a poor man or one of thy brethren within any of your gates in your land which the Lord your God gives thee, thou shalt not harden your heart nor shut up your hand from your poor brother, but you should open your heart, I mean, open your hand wide to him in verse 8, and lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wants or is lacking. And then verse 9, beware that there be not a thought or a word in your heart, in your wicked heart, saying, well, it's the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and then I be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against, against you, and it becomes sin to you. And then in verse 10, he says, you should surely give him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give him, when you give to him. Because for this thing, God's going to bless you. So back in verse 9, he says, don't let your eye be evil against your poor brother. So that's where Jesus came up with this, talking about the evil eye. The word evil has to do with, more has to do with uh, not lending, not being compassionate and helping your brother. It had nothing to do with cursing somebody or anything like that. It's talking about not having a compassionate eye, not looking, looking upon someone with compassion, hardening your heart towards somebody that is in need or in want. So that's the evil eye. And what about the single eye? Well, what is the single eye? Well, in Jesus' day, there was a Greek version of the, what we call the Old Testament, which was their Bible, basically. It was their, their scrolls, their holy, holy books. There was called the Septuagint. It was the Greek version of the Torah and the Psalms and the Prophets. And, the, and, and that version, it talks about, it uses the same word in the Greek that is used here for single. It's used for liberal. In, verse, in Proverbs 11, verse 25, he says, The liberal soul shall be made fat. The liberal soul, that word liberal, is the same word in the Greek uh, version of that as what we have here for single. So he's saying if, you're, if your eye is single, if your eye is generous, you'll be full of light. Why will you be full of light? Because God is generous. God is liberal. So if you're following after him, you'll be, your body, you, basically your walk, your, you will be more full of light. 
You know, you don't get more of God. You never get more of God than what you got when you're born. But He gets more of you. It gets more of you. It takes more over of your, as you willingly give of yourself, give of your time, give of your thoughts, give of your life. Then more light is in your life. More light is in you. So the single eye is to be generous, to be liberal, to look compassionately out upon people and put them first. Just like we talked yesterday about loving your neighbor as your own self. It's all it's all one teaching. The whole thing is one teaching. It's all summed up in love. That's why he said the, the law and the prophets are summed up in loving your neighbor. That's why he said in, back in chapter 7, what we read in verse 12 or 7, he said, all things, whatever you would have that men do to you, do even to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's one teaching, and it's all about love. It's not about following rules. It's not about following lists. It's not about making sure you pray the right way or say the right things. It's about following after love. It's following, allowing the spirit within you to guide you. Your intuition, the, the spirit within you, to guide you. And when you come across things that you're able to do something about, do something about it. If you come across a situation and it doesn't seem like there's any love there, well, there is love there. It's just been hidden under a bushel, as it were. Let it out. Let it shine. Let that love flow. And it's not an easy thing to do because sometimes uh, it hurts and you will be hurt. <laughs> there are times when you're, it'll be almost like somebody's trampling all over that love. That's okay because more love is born out of that suffering. And as, as you allow that love to flow, I guarantee you there's seeds planted that will grow in time. It may not seem like it. It might seem like, like I said, they're trampling all over it. But even in a field of swine, seeds, after you move the swine out, seeds can grow. You know, there was a story on uh, NPR the other day talking about sunflowers. And, and, and there was this place where they're just growing like crazy. And people were coming there to take pictures and everything. And the fact of the matter is, part of the reason they were growing so so great um, and so tall was because the field in the off season is used for swine it's, they put pigs in there and raise them and then they move them and then they plant the seeds and they grow they grow big and tall so even though you've been shit on <laughs> and excuse me but i'm just want to be real here sometimes it feels like we get shit on by somebody or we planted seeds in a, in a field of, of crap and people have just trampled them down i guarantee you give it some time give it some time and those seeds will grow and that love will shine. That love will grow and shine. I promise you. I hope I didn't offend you. Sometimes we're so easily offended that we're no use to anybody. I don't think Jesus was much concerned about words like that. I really don't think God is either because Jesus was a friend, called a friend of sinners. And they're not going to befriend somebody that's easily offended. I don't think. But anyway, I hope we all can get something out of this. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to throw water on your flame. If you uh, if you're new to spiritual things, if you're new to to a spiritual walk, I'm not trying to to just give you the bad side of things. But but it's a hard road. Jesus said it was. It's a hard road, but it's a right road. It's a pure road. It's a road of life. It's a road of love. It's a road that that changes the world. And that's the only way it's going to change. It's not going to change by people going out here and trying to tell everybody they're going to hell it's by getting out here and walking in love helping one another having a heart of compassion helping each other reaching down and getting down with our brother and sister and neighbor even the people we don't like and helping showing love that's what's going to change it you can't litigate this stuff you can't force this stuff it comes from the heart and if it doesn't it's not worth anything i appreciate you listening and i hope you'll listen again tomorrow maybe it'll be more upbeat tomorrow but god bless you 
Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com. And please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org. Or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.